Again, why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? Let us pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we, we are so thankful for this day and, and for the life that you give. Lord, we know that as we live in these urgent times, uh, that you have granted us faith to sustain through the day. Uh, grant us your continued uh, faith in the word and uh, grant us alertness as we continue to walk in your word and, and just bless us this night as we study your word. As we very well know um, that you are uh, that you are everything to us in light of our nothingness, that you give us uh, completion and fulfillment uh, through the blood of your son's sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Um, bless us in our proclamation and lead us, O Lord, always in the joy of the gospel that you have given to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, last week uh, we talked about uh, Galatians. <coughs> oh, sorry. <coughs> I need a cough drop. Galatians and bearing another, uh, bearing one another's burden. And as spiritual ones in verse one in chapter six, uh, we, we talk about how to restore a brother or someone who is caught up in transgressions, that we are called to uh, do this in a spirit of gentleness, uh, but also to keep watch on ourselves for our own pride and arrogance. Because after a while, I think a lot of times we can become self-righteous and prideful and arrogant, thinking that we are better spiritually than, well, other people. And again, that's all rooted in our works, isn't it? Uh, see, that's the thing, I think. What defines the Judaizers, the, the Judaizers and the false teachers is what? It's works. So their comparison, their measuring stick are works. And at the end of the day, if that's your measuring stick, when you're dealing with people, what happens? You, you become very, you can become very arrogant if you're legalistic at heart. And um, <laughs> that's why St. Paul says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, right? All right. So uh, why don't we begin with verse three? To five if someone could read that for me i got it if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself each one should test his own actions and he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else for each one should carry his own load okay so what is happening here it says for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself. Uh, in light of bearing another's burden, in light of the spirit of gentleness to those who are caught up in transgression, uh, what what is St. Paul really saying here? <laughs> Anyone? <clears throat> um, what do we say on Sunday a lot of times in First John? We always say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, right? So, in light of that similar context, you know, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about bearing another's burden, um, if we start to think that we're something, then we're deceiving ourselves because we're actually nothing, right? Um, and in light of the Galatians and the conflict with works, self-righteousness according to the law, uh, we must ask ourselves, who are we in front of God? Who are we in front of God? Right? Um, and in light of that, um, I think very well, it, it leads us to the blood of Christ that covers us. But if someone is thinking that he is something, basically by his works, um, then he is deceiving himself. Now, this is the great deception, friends, right? 
even for the life of the Christian, is that we fail to see uh, the, 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 the doctrine of original sin, right? Um, and we always talk about this. If, if someone thinks that they're 75% sinful or that there were, you know, that, you know, when we're talking about original sin, we know that we were born into sin. A lot of, you know, the temptation is to, to tell ourselves, well, I'm not so bad. You know, I could overcome this. Um, and soon enough, our works become our God um, in light of salvation, right? And um, this is, I think, the great struggle with the false teachers in a sense of luring people into this mentality, thinking that they can save themselves by their own self-righteousness. And it manifests itself in this verse three when they realize, well, maybe I am something, right? Maybe I have done something to merit something more than my neighbor. And the fact is, that is not the case. Verse four, let each one test his own work. Basically, look at the mirror, right? Look at the mirror. Um, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. That load is real, right? When we look at that mirror, what, you know, why don't we like the mirror? Anyone? We'll talk about uh, the mirror of the law. Why don't we like to see that? When someone comes to church and says, you know what? I just want to hear the good stuff. I don't want to hear about the elephant in the room, right? I don't want to hear about my sin. Now, why are people so apprehensive to go there? What, what, anyone, any thoughts on that? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because this, our sin condemns us in front of God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the law of sin or the law shows us our sin. And who likes to be presented with their own depravity? I, I don't know anyone who would revel in that, right? It, it's, of, it's of great, uh, you know, it's our sin we're talking about here. So, you know, when we talk you know, about... Oh, Pastor? Yeah. Um, just, that mostly happens on Easter and christmas for a lot of uh visitors that don't normally attend church um i remember you know i remember pastor bob he'd always have a a sermon for them especially <laughs> you know and he'd drive it home um you know, on those holidays so it was pretty cool yeah, and they need to hear it, right? I think that's the key. Yeah, uh, they need to hear it, not in light of like a machete coming through, but really just this is what we do. We we teach the truth, right? So, uh, so when we talk about bearing each other's bearing our own load, it's very uh, beatitude like, in a sense of uh, blessed are those who are what who are meek, who are poor in spirit, right? Because when we talk about our own load, uh, Dave. Dave and I and Cecily and Jeff and, and um, it's weird. I want to look at the screen, but then if I look at the screen, then I'm not looking at that screen. It's so confusing, right? <laughs> Anyways, and Don, <laughs> like, but um, I got my selfie light on my little, it's like a ring and I got three lights in here. I'm like in an interrogation room, uh, but anyways, um, and I got my mic. So, um, but uh, you know, we, we all know uh, of the load that we carry uh, in a sense of our sin. And it, it shows us our own 
poverty. It, it shows us our, our humility in a sense of we cannot bring anything to the table. Does that mean we don't love and serve our neighbor in, in the call? No, we, we do love and serve our neighbor. But when it comes to um, this arrogance that we're talking about here in this context, now nah, you look in the mirror and you see your own sin and say, wow, you know, who am I to think that I'm better or more than something that I'm really, that I in fact really not. Right. So, you know, I, I think uh, what we talk about uh, looking at ourselves, you know, what is the number one thing about churches that plagues a church other than false teaching? What's the number one thing that really causes division in the church? Any thoughts on that? Donuts. The, donuts. <laughs> I know. We always need a certain amount of glazed sugar and sprinkle. That's my favorite, rainbow sprinkle. Anyways, um, um, actually, I'm getting to the old-fashioned glazed a lot lately. Not too much. But anyways, um, uh, it starts with the G, ends with a P. Eighth Commandment stuff, right? Gossip, right? And this is... Uh, clearly uh, how we fail to bear our own load in a sense where we're always uh, talking about other, <laughs> other people. And the nature of gossip is to tear other people down so that we feel better about ourselves, uh, ruin other people's character. So our character is propped up, right? And, and I think uh, quickly we find ourselves with this, let each one test his own work. There's nothing to say, right? Uh, because we know our own sin and we are humbled by the fact that, um, that we need Christ that our even works cannot save us. So um, this is, I think, when we talk about this whole uh, spiritual ones, spirit of gentleness, loving and serving and bearing another's burden, in light of the gospel, we're not there with self-righteousness because we definitely know how or what they are going through. And therefore, we have great compassion and mercy, just as Christ has compassion and mercy on us as he died on the cross for our sins. Right, so this is, um, I think, very important in a sense of how we ought to love and serve and bear one another's burden. I think as a church, uh, 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 we definitely do that, but we, we continue uh, to see this calling as one of great importance. Um, okay, um, yes, <coughs> verse 6, and yes, verse 6 only. If someone could read that. Okay. Go ahead. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. All right. So, so teaching comes from the Greek word katechumenos. Uh, katechumenos. Katechumenos, uh, right? Katechumenos. That's right. Katechumenos, right? Uh, what does that sound like? Katechumenos. What does that sound like? Catechism? Teach. Yes. Catechism. Teach, instruct, right? Catechism, catechumen, catechist, the one who teaches. So again, uh, the one who is taught the word, not just any word, but the word of God, must share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, this, this goes down in the Old Testament too, right? Remember the, the Levitical line? I think we talked about this in Joshua, didn't we? I think we did. Uh, but that the Levitical line, uh, the priestly line, they were to be taken care of by the people as they were there for them, uh, serving them and praying for them, um, sacrifices for them, uh, but also in the New Testament, uh, that those who teach the word, uh, that, they're, uh, that the laborer deserves their wages. Some context for you guys, Luke 10, verse 7, 1 Timothy 5, 18. Uh, but that um, here we see uh, uh, St. Paul 
uh, really um, aiming towards support uh, for those who teach the word, right? And um, yeah, I think uh, Faith, uh, Faith Moore Park here, um, they always um, do, a, do a great job in that um, and how important it is uh, to continue to support those who are teaching not just any word, but the word of the gospel. False teachers are a different story. But when we teach the word, there we share all good things with those who teach, right? The word, right? Think about that, how important teaching the word is, right? That's why Bible study, I always say, is so important for everyone to come because this is where the word is taught. Uh, because we can find a lot of different words right out there. A lot of false teachers. Turn on the TV, watch some of those, and tell me what you think. See what you can find. And um, sometimes it might kind of cause you to put up a flag or two and say, wait, is that right? Hmm. So anyways, um, but this teaching is very important. Uh, verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. Someone could read that. I could do that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. All right, good. So, so when we talk about this whole idea of giving and, you know, it's more than just giving. You know, we can always kind of fly under the radar um, amongst us humans, right? We can slip by our neighbor, but God knows our heart. He knows our hearts. Now, what does God, you know, what St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 talks about giving, right? But he talks about what kind of giving? He talks about a cheerful giver, right? Um, now, what is it about giving, you guys, <coughs> that is so paradoxical? Um, and, you know, I say that because, you know, when, when we are caught up in our own way, uh, a lot of times with the material, especially with giving, um, it's easy to uh, see the importance of self and the sense of greed and, and covetousness kind of take hold. Um, now, you know, when we talk about cheerful giving, cheerful giving is what, you guys? Anyone have a thought on that? Cheerful giving? What does that well, look with, like? With the right heart, I'd say, too, where it's not like where you're giving sort of begrudgingly or even if you're thinking, oh, well, I should be giving as though it's like a requirement or that you're doing something to please God. It needs to be something purely done out of love with that right heart, with, with the cheerfulness so that you're not minding the giving as though, oh, well, maybe I rather would keep this money for myself. It's something that you want to do out of love. And because God has given so much to us, we want to also then give to other people as well. We can. Um, what is the danger of greed, you guys? What is the danger of greed? Selfishness. What, what, when we go down that path of selfishness, Dave, what does that path look like? I mean, what does it evolve into? Inevitably, of course. 
where we think it's our goods and we're not realizing it's all good things from God that God has given to us. We're looking at what we are giving as though it is our own, the stuff that we own, the money, the items, whatever. We're not realizing that it is God's that he has given to us to be good stewards toward other people. That's right. It's all first article stuff, apostles creed, daily bread, fourth petition, all these things. Uh, but, and, and that's right. Uh, but what does our greed not tell us? What does the devil not tell us about our greed? What is the one thing that he fails to tell us that would definitely illumine our hearts and minds to the danger of it? And an that idol. is, oh, Don? It's an idol. It's an idol that we are what by? We are, we are bound by it. We are held captive to it, right? I, I think our flesh says, oh, I, let me just have this for myself because this is mine. But what we're not realizing at that moment is I'm bound by these things. These things, these things control me, right? Like my greed, my covetousness controls me. It dictates everything of my life. And Don, you said it. It's an idol. And we don't want to go there. But when we talk about uh, God knows our hearts, he cannot be mocked. Uh, he very well knows our hearts. And, and again, on the flip side, it's like in that moment of greed, Cecily, as you talked about the begrudging giving, uh, you know, I used to do that too. You know, uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, my mother would say, uh, yeah, how much you make, you know, give your offering. Let's do this by the book. Right. And I'd be like, you know, I was in college, you know, barely squeaking by and, uh, uh, all right, mom, let's go to church and, you know, and, and give. And, uh, and when I look back, of course, that's the wrong way of thinking, right? Um, but what I failed to see is the joy of giving, knowing that I'm not held captive by it. Does that make sense? Like, this is what we don't see when we talk about giving, is that we, we joyfully give because we're not, held captive by the very idols that want us to hunger according to the flesh and how liberating that is knowing that we joyfully give that everything comes from God and well, everything, all blessings come from God. Right. And uh, what a great liberating thing that is to give. And, you know, you know, in our sinful nature, I know it's, it's easy to uh, fall short in this. Uh, but, Again, as we see right there in verse 8 and 9, or verse 8, this is the life of the Christian. This is that life of sanctification. We're not just, oh, Jesus died for me, and I'm just going to sit here like a rock. No, we continue on in the life by the Holy Spirit as he guides us to love and serve and, and do well with what God has given to us uh, in the means uh, to provide for those around us. And, and that is where we find the joy of giving, Right? Um, so the flesh reap corruption and the spirit reaps eternal life, right? And this is not by your own work. Let's just be clear on that. But simply um, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we talk about Galatians 5, 22, right? Um, and, and 23 about the fruits of the spirit. Uh, there, we, <coughs> there we proceed in Christ uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Carrie's uh, back home uh, from church. But uh this is, uh, this is how we proceed. So there is a danger. Greed can do what to us? 
it can destroy us, right? It can destroy us. Now, again, you know, um, uh, yeah, I guess I won't belabor the point there. I could talk totally more about this, but, um, but yes, uh, we are called by the spirit, spirit of truth, uh, the fruits of the spirit there in Galatians 5.22. We see the cautionary tale of, of corruption in Galatians 5.19 with the, uh, uh, with the sins of the flesh, if you could turn back to it, even laziness, indifference, apathy, you know, sexual immorality, all these things, they will uh, reap corruption. So, you know, there is, uh, there is something to uh, the Christian life as we live it. Uh, according to the third use of the law, God's word. Um, is that pretty clear? Any thoughts on that? Isn't greed like the polar opposite of what God is? God actually gives constantly with blessings and stuff, aside from one thing when he taketh away. Just to uh, not police us, but you know, we're his children. He disciplines us. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you know, God is not, you know, greed is definitely a, a sinful, it's sinful of man. Right. And, uh, greed covets God doesn't in a sense have that greed as we do. Right. Uh, but, uh, uh, but definitely he is of grace. He is of gift. He is of giving. Um, he is of love and he continues to give to us in all ways. So, um, Yeah. Uh, verse 9 and 10, if someone could read that, verse 9 and 10. <laughs> I can. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So how do we read this in light of the Galatians? How do we read this verse, verse 9 and 10? How how should we how should we view it? How how should we view this text? Um now how can we view this text? One way is that law of Moses and how works can save us, right? Another way, and this is the way for us, is is that yeah, this is the life of faith. It's not to prove anything, it's not, it's not to earn anything, but simply. Uh, this is our opportunity to love and serve and do good for everyone around us in our call as Christians, right? And this is our call. It says, St. Paul says, let us not grow weary. That is stand firm in the faith. Um, and I, that's interesting uh, when we talk about the household of faith. It says right there, so then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, what, uh, what do you think uh, that means right there any any thoughts on that people of the church yeah people yeah people of the church yeah yeah Believer. look to Believers. see look to Believers. see what their needs are too even before you look beyond that yeah you know we, yeah, yeah when i say uh if i say the church is a country club what would that look like to you guys if the church was a country club is it the elks or the moose <laughs> <laughs> Just it, it would be okay. a, a elitist, elitist. Yeah. If it was a country club, it would be kind of a an elite, an elite group. Some can join and some can't. Yeah, upper crust, upper crust. Yeah, some some can join and others can't. We would have um, a better lawn. A better lawn. 
What did you say, Don? <laughs> a better lawn. A better lawn. That's, that's oh, the truth. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, that's not where I was going. I, I wasn't expecting that out of Don. Uh, but, but uh, um, you know what? I guess, and the elitist thing, that, that definitely is an element. But I think when I say country club, I'm saying you're a member. Uh, you get to go to the golf course to play golf, and then you go home. Um, and there's no sense. It's more of an institution, right? Uh, rather than what? A family. Family. No. Yeah, as Christians, we're family. And family takes care of family members. Yeah. Um, and in this day and age, is family, I mean, the, the, the idea of family has broken down as the generations gone by, not only within the church, but just in individual families, right? So it, it's, it's, uh, it's an understanding that kind of is becoming blurry as the years pass for generations and generations. And when we say church family, I always tell my kids, um, if I ever become a pastor where I walk down the street and I don't even know that person who goes to my church who's a member at my church, I should be greatly alarmed, right? Because I, I would tell my kid, like, our church family, we're a tight-knit group where we know each other, we visit one another, and we care for one another uh, as I care for souls as a pastor. And, you know, uh, it's just a reminder to me that we are a church family. We're a family. We're just not, we're just not a, a, a group of people that get together. No, we're, we're a family. There, there's something about that, I think, that we at Faith More Park continue to strive to be because... Uh, that family is united in Christ, and uh, what a great what a great joy it is when new members come to join that family and to be a part um, of faith. And uh, uh, and we see it, we see it uh, slowly but surely. People coming to the faith, um, to the faith, and to faith, Lutheran Church in Moore Park. Uh, what a great joy it is to see. But we are a family, and that's always my goal, right? Uh, in the individualistic society that we live in is that we care for one another as a family. And uh, that's what we're called to do, right? Never grow weary. This is our call. Um, and um, yes, there are dangers there uh, that face us like indifference and complacency and isolation. But uh, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, the joy of the gospel, giving, serving, living sacrificially, these are all, these are all parts of how the Holy Spirit leads us in this life. So, and, and that, how does he lead us by the word and sacrament, right? Being in the word, receiving the gifts, right? And the joy of the forgiveness of sins given where God promises to be. And there we continue in the life of faith. So uh, this is what St. Paul is teaching them. And now we embark on the final warning and benediction, right? The final warning. I love that in my Lutheran study Bible, uh, the final warning and benediction, um, why don't we read verses 11 to 13, if someone could do that for me? Okay. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. All right. So this is the final warning. Now, this is, this is what, this is his lasting words, large letters, point of emphasis, right? Uh, to remember what he had taught them. 
because if they forget, they're in great danger if they cross over to the false teaching, right? Paul reinforces the key points right here uh, in the final warning because he is trying to emphasize the cross of Christ over the works of circumcision. If you fall to the work of circumcision, Jesus's cross, that faith is at stake, right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And, and, and we see it, not even in the Galatians, but not even not only in the book of Galatians, but in our present world today, right? Uh, how we can mix up uh, what this faith is all about and how it can change uh, um, how we view the faith. We see right here in verse 12, <coughs> it, is those who, uh, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. Um, what is that good showing in the flesh? You know, in their culture, it, it was all about appearances, honor over shame, righteousness over unrighteousness, outward over inward. It was that polish that they were showing unto man how righteous they were, they were boasting in their works. Now, what does that do in light of, in light of our faith? Remember, verse three, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. The showing of the flesh is simply the showing of the flesh, right? It, it doesn't merit anything in light of, in front of God, uh, but rather uh, for the fleshly man, the circumcised, the circumcision party, the Judaizers, who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Why were not? Why were the Judaizers this this false these false teachers? Why were they not persecuted? Who are the persecuted ones? The ones that preach what? The law. The Jews were the persecutors. Yeah, and who are who are the ones that are persecuted? Those that preach Christ. Everything else, you see it in the world today. Isn't it obvious? Isn't it? Who is being persecuted in the world today? Christians are. Jews are too. Christians True. and Jews. But I think when we talk about the, the cross of Christ and how this cross is foolish to many, right? Um, this is the crux, as St. Paul is showing us, that when you are not preaching the truth, you will not be persecuted, right? Uh, in, in a sense of uh, when we talk about salvation and the cross of Christ, Galatians, he was greatly persecuted, right? Um, and many were persecuted for that, Uh but those who are circumcised, verse 13, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. See, that's the thing about false teaching is that, you know, they don't even keep the law themselves. They're not perfect, right? It's like, uh, we again, we see it earlier uh, in verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. That's the thing about self-righteousness, right? that we actually have a false image of ourselves thinking that we are something when we're actually nothing. And this is to the point where this false teaching, they want to boast in circumcising others so that they can boast in their flesh. Now you see how pervasive or how, how dangerous this false teaching is that um, uh, they believe that uh, they can even boast when uh, they bring other people to circumcision. Right. Uh, but for St. Paul, um, you know, um, this was not his boast. This was not his boast. Uh, if someone could read uh, verse 
14 to 16 for me. 14 to 16. I got it. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Oh, 16, sorry. Uh, peace and mercy to all who follow the rule even to the Israel of God. All right. So, so, uh, you know, we see, we see St. Paul boasting in Christ, right? In, in the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you know, when we talk about boast, you guys, uh, you know, it, it's by grace that we are saved through faith, right? Not by work so that no one can boast. Now, um, when you, when we see the mirror of the law, we know that there is <coughs> there is no boast in a sense of what we bring to the table. And our boast is only Christ. Now, for the false teachers, their boast was their works because they think that they could actually bring something to the table uh, to validate themselves before God. Now, simply put, um, you know, we talk about boasting. Um, it, from the world's perspective, it's, it's what? It's, it's pride. It's, it's uh, self reliance um, that is a sin well it's look what i've done right yeah i have a question you know who in the world made circumcision uh like a like a thing you know to be good to be good to, or worthy to god that's well it was it was an old testament weird. i know but who i mean do you they had to make them take their robe off to show if they were circumcised back then. I, mean, I don't understand. Oh, yeah. You know, I, oh, you mean to prove it? Is that yeah. what you mean? Well, you know, I, I'm. Well, if you were Jewish, if you were <laughs> Jewish, it was, it was done. So, I mean, you know. Okay. I know. Yeah. If you were, if you were. A, Why was a that Jewish? so important to be, to, to be entered into God's grace? Well, again, this was biblical. But where? But Sheldon's, Sheldon's asking, though, where did it start? Like within the Old Testament, where did yeah. we first hear about that being? Is it like in the Bible or is it unknown? No, it's in the Bible, and and we see on the eighth day, this was the seal. This was the seal of the covenant that they were children of God, and this was happening in the Old Testament. But when Christ came and fulfilled all things, yeah, uh, this is the this is the divide. Is that Christ died and he rose for us. It is finished and accomplished. But yet the Judaizers were saying, no, we still need the works of the law in a sense of following the law of Moses. Uh, we still need circumcision to save us. And that was the divide. Right? When Christ but came who, to fulfill all things. I guess, uh, I guess my question is, is, is why did somebody who made this up think that it would please God to be circumcised? Well, it's the Lord. It's the Lord that commanded it in the Old Testament. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Then. So, you know, this is the seal, right? This is a seal that they were part of Israel. Okay. Uh, They're set but, apart from all other peoples. Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't know that. So, cool. It, this is I why mean, we, I go to Bible study. <laughs> no, we talk about circumcision. I think a lot of times 
circumcision and even uh you know, as it points to that seal, we, we see Jesus instituting baptism in a sense of that seal, right? That, that covering uh, connected to the death and resurrection of Christ, the forgiveness of sin. So anyways, but we see right here that that is that is the rub. Uh, is it Christ or are we going to boast in, in our human work or our human uh, our human law? And here, St. Paul is simply saying, no, I can't boast in anything but Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me. This is Galatians 2.20 again, right? I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, right? This is that picture of even baptismally, that uh, as we are baptized, uh, our, our flesh is crucified, that we are connected to Jesus' death and also raised to the newness of life, that no longer uh, are we... Uh, 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 bound to this world, but we are a new creation, as it says in verse 15. It says right there, St. Paul is clear. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. It's not about circumcision anymore, but it's about 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? The old is gone, the new has come, right? You are the new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? So this is the key right here of the persecution, is that St. Paul would boast in Christ and that would be a great uh, attack on, on, on him and those who believe that, right? This is that sense of persecution of boasting in the cross. And, um, you know, this is kind of <clears throat> when we talk about uh, boasting again, what do you boast in? And in front of God, uh, I think, or in front of man, I think it's easy to be that show of the flesh, to act like we have it all together. But do people come to church because they have it all together? I mean, that's no. what the world thinks. <laughs> but we go to, yeah, we, we go to church because we need to hear and receive the gifts because we very well know what we are in the bearing each other's. We know what verse five is all about. We know as we examine ourselves in verse four, self-examination, that we are poor, miserable sinners, and that we need to hear the words of Christ. The church is for the broken. The church is for those who are sinful and who are who don't have it together, right? And uh, the church is there to do what? To, to, to give and to deliver those goods. Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, life eternal, right? Uh, the comfort of conscience. This is all given um, in Christ Jesus, uh, uh, who, who, who gives to us that new creation, right? So, um, as we continue on, verse 16, and as for all who walk by his rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So Israel of God is the faithful, all people of God who believe in Jesus Christ, um, who walk by this rule, right? And, and that is, again, no one likes rules. No one likes the road. The sinful nature desires their own road. And it's not guaranteed to be easy. It's not swift. St. Paul, his whole life, when he became Christian, a lot of persecution, right? Jail, right? Jailed and, and persecuted upon. And, and we very well know that in this, uh, in this walk, by this rule, in suffering, there is peace and mercy, right? And, and that is the joy of the Christian, is the gospel. Um, and what a great boasting that is right I, I so that no one can boast it's by grace we are saved uh that is the greatest most profound 
gift of God. Um, okay, why don't, we, why don't we close here with 17 and 18? If someone could read that for me. 17 and 18? I could do that. Thank you. From now, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Right. I love this. Uh, the marks. What are the marks? Uh, for St. Paul, it was not only the, the persecution that he faced um, in one sense, but also the marks of, of the gospel. That is the mark of this life of faith um, in his baptism, knowing that though he faces great persecution, that God is with him, right? Well, um, this is Paul, right? Didn't he get whipped and stoned and everything too? Yeah, yeah. He, what he's speaking of? Yeah, yeah. So there is persecution. Uh, there are those uh, proverbial battle battle wounds uh, for boasting of Christ. Um, but yet, it's by that even by that very mark that he, in suffering, resides in the suffering of Christ on the cross, and the marks that Jesus bore for us on that Calvary, on that cross. Uh, there we are being washed from our sin and giving the uh, giving the gift of eternal life as Jesus does. Um, and, uh, what a great paradoxically great life that is knowing that from the outside, as Jesus was lifted high upon a tree, they thought this was the most weakest King there was, but little did they know that in his suffering, he would bring the mercy and peace, uh, for all the world. Um, and that is by his suffering work upon that very cross. It's by these very marks that St. Paul continues to persevere as he walks in this faith, right? Um, verse 18, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, amen. We look in chapter one, verse three, and we start out with the words, what? Galatians 1, 3, if someone could read that for me real quick. <coughs> grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so, you know, in every sermon, I always start out with what? Grace, mercy, and peace, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we, we say that at the beginning of Galatians. We see that at the end of Galatians. And uh, why is that important? Why is that significant, you think, with how those words bookend this book? Why is that so important in light of the context of this book? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is the as they bookend this book? Um, why is that so important in the context of what the Galatians were facing? Any is thoughts? it because it gives you comfort at the beginning and the end, or sure? No, that's good. Okay. Uh, comfort in the midst of what? Everything you're about to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the dissension that was being brought about by the Judaizers. Oh, yeah. That when, when we talk about grace, this is the undeserved gift. It's a gift, right? So it's not by our own merits. It's not by our own circumcision. It's not by the works of the law. It's not by what we bring to the table or of our own self-righteousness or a polished look or proving to God how good we are. No, this is grace. You, we talk, Mary Woodleaf and I were talking about this in the morning and how profound the grace of God is. When you look in the mirror and you see what you're facing and you, and you dwell upon the grace of God, that is the most comforting and joyful 
uh what's the word uh what a blessing it is to know this is the god of grace that we believe in right this book ends this book because in the in the light of all that they were facing with the judaizers as dave was saying it's only by grace that they were saved and grace takes us out of the picture grace makes god the one who does the activity and we are the mere recipients of that and that's the key to this book is the grace of god through all the false teaching that was teaching otherwise actually the opposite right uh, that they were to do something to be saved and saint paul says right here the grace of our lord jesus christ you know when we say grace mercy and peace i don't want to believe it i know it's getting late but Every time you hear that, grace, mercy, and peace, why do we say these words? Why do we say them? Because Jesus has saved us from our sin, that he does all the work, and our faith is in him. And, and that is what a great joy it is to say those very words, grace, mercy, and peace, because without Christ, there is no grace, mercy, and peace. His work to us as we're dead sinners being made alive in Christ Jesus. Without him and his, and his gift of the gospel coming to us, word made flesh as we are in Advent, right? As we're celebrating the king coming to us. Um, without his work, there would be no salutation or greeting of this kind, right? So it is a, definitely a moment of thanksgiving every time you hear it. And what do we say at the end? Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what do we say at the end? We say, Amen. Right? Just like we say it here, Amen. What does Amen mean? May it be so. Yeah, it, it is true. May it we be say so. It twice, right? uh, this is certainly true. <laughs> amen, Amen. As Jesus says in his Gospels, uh, truly, truly, right? It's the truth. So what we talk about when we say grace, mercy, and peace, it's the truth. Amen. Like, because he is the truth, he has set us free, right? And, and how glorious and great this is uh, to be a, a believer in the gospel, knowing that this is the work of Christ for us. And this is what that book is bookended by, the grace of God. And, and I, I say this so important emphatically, because when you dwell upon the grace of God, really what that grace means to us and how God is doing all the actions. Um, <laughs> there, is, there is no words to, 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 to describe the, the, the profundity of God's grace. It's so infinitely merciful and graceful and peaceful because we never brought anything to the table. And that's an amen by the grace of God. And um, that's why this gospel is so important, right? Um, it's, not, it's not 95 and 5% us, right? It's not even 99, 1% us. It's, it's all gospel, the good news that God has died and rose for sinners. And, and this, is, this is the message of St. Paul. So uh, have that clear on your hearts and minds, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, because uh, how easy we can be swayed. Galatians proves that to us and how, how dangerous it can be if we fall to false teaching. That grace goes away in a sense of how we turn that around uh, to our own works.
to save ourselves. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still coughing, but I'm fine. Um, but anyways, uh, we finally made it and it's 840. So uh, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, and uh, in the second week of January, we will start another book. Someone asked, do you have a book picked out yet? And of course I said, no. <laughs> keep, us for that. Huh? Keep, us, keep us in suspense oh yeah so second week of january we'll, we'll reconvene but join us for the midweek vespers as we go mm -hmm. uh through uh, lo and behold the clouds ascending we talked about sharing in hope today and what that means in light of uh the world that we live in but uh we continue on with this theme of hope if you noticed i preached on these texts last month the book of thessalonians but i'm preaching them in a different way so that's interesting, right? To preach them in a different way than you preached last month in the midweek Vesper <laughs> service. Uh, so uh, it's been great so far. But um, anyways, uh, any thoughts before we close? Any thoughts? Uh, just one... Oh, sorry, Don. Rofesh, oh. for Sheldon, this is for you. Uh, oh. Covenant of Circumcision, Genesis 17. Oh, Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter 17. That's right. Oh, thank you, sir. That's right. Um, the seal. Thank you. Yeah, the seal. Eighth day. That's right. So how come you guys don't, as, as your pastors, don't go through the next book, which is Ephesians? You like to skip around to keep it interesting, right? I never thought about that, Sheldon. It just oh. happens. Hey, I wanted to share one thing before we leave. Um, I take sermon notes, man. I just wanted to say share and hope. And then... Uh, it's a time of urgency. Wake up. And then, uh, yes, it's the two-minute drill, but we know the outcome in faith. Uh, the greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. Amen. Unlike the Rams on Sunday. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> Try the Chargers, bro. Oh, uh, but Jesus, yes. That's the thing. It's all been finished, you guys. We know the result. We know the outcome, and we're living it. So uh, go now in God's peace. And why don't we close with a word of prayer? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that by your grace we are saved and, and, and that our works, well, uh, Lord, we know that it's by your work uh, that our faith is built upon. Thank you, O oh Lord, uh, for the gift of your word as we have finished the book of Galatians. Uh, please bless each and every one of us with a clear conscience, knowing full that well that we are covered uh, by your blood, that we're uh, connected uh, to you by the gift of uh, the water and word of holy baptism. Lord, bless our hearts and minds as we continue to walk in this Advent season, as we prepare our hearts with repentance, as we prepare in your word, and as we dwell upon uh, the reason why uh, you would come to this world for us. We thank you, O Lord, for your grace. Bless us this night. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.